All right, so uh, last Sunday we talked about how, um, you know, we have this amazing message of the, the life of Jesus and how it's really simple. As we go, as we go, we can be a blessing and we can share our story. We can honor people. We can just share the light and life of Jesus, you know, because it's, you know, having something bottled up inside of you is only so much fun, right? But when you get to release it, it's like, man, you start to see the world around you be touched with the life that you've been touched with. So we've got a few folks that are going to share some testimonies this morning. So if that's you, TJ, Sam, Amanda, y'all come on up. Jason, Y'all want to hear some stories today? Come on. Y'all come on up, everybody. So seriously, all week long, I was, I was so encouraged. I just kept hearing people say, like, oh, I was at HEB yesterday, and, like, I tried this, or I was, you know, at the mall, and I tried this, or, you know, like, just these little steps. So these guys are going to share some little stories, and you're going to be encouraged because every single one of us can carry the love of Jesus to someone else. Amen? Take it away, Jason. Awesome. All right, I'm Jason. I'm a junior at A&M. And uh, yes, whoop. Um, so I went to Blinn on Wednesday to go do some outreach, tell people about Jesus. And there's this guy sitting on a bench by himself. So I'm like, cool, I'll go be his friend. And so I sat down next to him. He looked kind of weirded out. And then he told me he was probably going to leave in a few minutes because his group didn't show up. And so he's like, I'm probably just going to bounce soon. I'm like, okay. So we're just asking basic questions. And then randomly, I was okay, I was like, Holy Spirit, just let him stay a little bit longer. And then two minutes later, he was like, well, you know what? I'll probably just stay till we run out of things to talk about. And I'm like, bro, that's going to take a long time. And so um, we just started talking about stuff, and uh, he asked me, like, what I want to do with my future, and was just being honest with him, telling that I want to serve Jesus, like, in other countries. And then whenever I said that, he, like, kind of got a little weirded out and was like, he, like, was going to say something in response to me talking about Jesus, but then he, like, stopped himself. I was like, hmm, interesting. And so then I, like, asked him, I was like, has anyone ever told you the gospel? He's like, well, actually, I'm an atheist, and I, like, don't believe in anything like that. And I was like, cool, well, I'm going to tell you. And so I told it to him, and then afterwards, he was like, well, don't really know how to respond. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, can we just not talk about this anymore? And I was like, sure, let's talk about other things. And so we just started talking, and then I realized he didn't really know why he was an atheist. Like, my brother's an atheist, and he's very, very, like, strong and intellectual, knows, like, a ton of stuff about science. And then I was, so I was like, okay, cool. I know how to, like, argue. I know how to, like, get back. But then I feel like I was just like, Jason, the way you're going to, like, win this guy is not through, like, debating him. It's going to be by loving him. So, like, yes, I could have, like, thrown out all my intellectual knowledge, but that wouldn't have been loving him well. And so... Just, like, got his number, and was like, hey, dude, if you ever want to hang out or get lunch, like, let's do it. And he's like, hey, I would love that. Like, we should totally hang out. And I was like, that's a win right there. Awesome. Hi. I'm Amanda Binger, and my husband and I recently got to go on an incredible anniversary trip to Jamaica. And we celebrate five years of marriage, which that in itself is an amazing testimony and glory to the Lord. Um, he's an amazing husband. Um, but we, uh, we were there, and on, a Tuesday, on Tuesday of the trip, I was spending time with the Lord, and I really sensed and heard him say that there was someone that he had, that he wanted to receive salvation on our trip, and we were the ones to deliver that. And so I said, okay, Lord, we trust you. I actually told my husband on Tuesday, I said, here's what I'm hearing the Lord. I'm really sensing this. And we, he said, I, you, you hear the Lord? You know, let's just see what happens. And so we didn't, we didn't try to go out on the streets of Jamaica. We just, with the spirit in us, any encounter with any person we come across is an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. And so we just went about our trip and enjoyed ourselves and had encounters with people. And on a Friday, um, we decided to go snorkeling. And we were scheduled to go out in the afternoon. And... Um, 
the Lord totally switched those plans. We were supposed to go out in the afternoon, and that Catamaran actually got booked. And so a totally different company, Catamaran, was going out in the morning. And the, they, the hotel called us and said, hey, there's a different one going out, totally different company. But if you're ready in 15 minutes, you're on it. And so we, we got on that boat, and um, we started talking to a man who was on the boat who led these tours every day, and he's, we got to be in friendship with him. And he just said, hey, I go out on these boats every day with people from all over the world, and I've never met anybody like you guys. And so we started to just build relationship with him. We, we learned about his family. We learned about that he had seven siblings. He had no living parents. He was living right in the middle of the wars that are going on in Jamaica. They're in a state of emergency. There's gunshots every morning, every night. Um, and we just learned about some really difficult issues that he's going through. And so at the end of the trip, it was about four and a half hours in, we just, we just started talking about who how we got through some of the really difficult things in our lives and who Jesus was to us. And y'all, I will tell you, it's an incredible thing when, when the Lord has gone before and prepared somebody to receive Jesus. It, he, he was ready. He was hungry. He was ready. And so when we said, hey, man, can we pray for you to receive Jesus? He was like, yes, yes. And so... So he said, but I, but I don't know. I don't, I don't go to church. I don't know how to get to a church. I don't know where I, when I would have the time. And my sweet husband who did this so wonderfully. He said, hey, Jesus did so many miracles, and almost none of them were in a church building. He healed people on the street. He, brought, you know, he, he did all kinds of things in every different place. And so we said, let's pray for you right now on this catamaran. And so we did, and he received salvation. And afterwards, he had tears streaming down his face. And he said, you guys are my family now. Um, and I will tell you, an, an anniversary trip can be so inward focused. It can be, we were celebrating so many wonderful things in our marriage and our children. That was the highlight of our trip. It was. That, that moment was heaven on earth. And we got to see a brother in Christ. You know, we just, I was like, I'll see you in heaven, man. And so, um, but actually, we, we are all about relationship, my husband and I. And so we got his number. We've been communicating with him on WhatsApp. We've been communicating with him via email. And a really short story, and I'm supposed to do 90 seconds. I'm not obeying you, Chris. Um, uh, he had a dream in his heart, and he said that 90% of people in Jamaica don't know how to swim, which is pretty incredible considering it's a coastal nation. And so he said, I have this dream because I can free dive 35 feet, 40 feet. I want to teach kids how to swim in Jamaica and start a school and get kids off the street. He told us this before he accepted Jesus. And so when we prayed with him to accept Jesus, we prayed into that dream. And we said, we believe that God has planted this dream to start a swim school for you here in Jamaica to bring kids off the street. And we're believing that in 10 years, we're going to go back to Jamaica and we're going to see him start the swim school. And so we've just been praying into that with him and believing that for him. And so just an encouragement, wherever you are is an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. We happen to be on an anniversary trip. You don't have to go on a mission trip. You don't have to go on something specifically with the church. You just have to be who you are, created to be with the love of Jesus in you, going around, encountering others, and just sharing the love of God. Hey guys, my name is TJ Warnish. My wife and I have been coming to Antioch for like a year and a half now, and um, I can totally agree with that. Like, it's just where you are in, at that time. And this so happened to be Tuesday uh, around lunchtime. I came home from work just to grab a bite to eat, and I uh, noticed this kid walking down the street, and I remembered his, uh, who he was. And just to give you some backstory, a couple years ago, maybe five years ago, I kind of got in some trouble and had to do a little bit of time in county jail, but uh, I remembered this kid from jail, and I said, I have to go talk to him. My wife's like, why? It's like, I just know I need to talk to him, like the Spirit spoke to me. So I go outside, and I was like, hey, man, do you remember me? And he didn't quite remember who I was, 
And, um, and I just told him where we met, and he immediately just broke down and started crying. And I'm not sure what happened, but uh, he, you know, he, was, he was like, man, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to do drugs. And he, said, and he was just looking at me, and he's like, I want to look like you. I don't understand. And uh, he's like, he said, people look at me, and they judge me. And he didn't understand, so I invited him in. And uh, I fed him lunch, and, and we just got to love on him and, and just kind of shared, you know, he was asking, like, how did you do this? Like, looking at my house and, like, you know, just, just everything. He's like, how did you do this? Like, he couldn't understand that, like, five years ago we were in the same place and then, you know, you know come, come to find out, like, you know, I don't know. And I just told him, like, my wife and I just told him, it's like, it's just Jesus. Like, in my life, like, I pursue him, and he's given me all of this. This is all a blessing from him. And anyways, I led him into a prayer, and he accepted Christ right there in my, in my, in my dining room. And uh, I gave him some clothes. He, he, you know, he said he wanted to look like me, and I had, it's so funny that that, that day, my wife was like, hey, we have all these old clothes. Like, uh, you want to give them to Jose? It's another guy that works with me. And I was like, yeah, we'll give them to him. Same day, like, he's in my living room. Like, dude, I have all of these clothes for you. Like, we were going to give them away today, so... Gave him clothes, we fed him, and we sent him on his way. And I said, you knock on my door anytime you need help and, and come and come and see us. So, yeah. <clears throat> my name is Sam, and uh, I've, uh, with my wife and I have been here about two months. And so, uh, <laughs> and so I've been, uh, uh, we've been challenged through the equipping classes and through the sermons on Sunday morning to be more mindful of opportunities and to be mindful to pray for opportunities and uh, uh, so I've been doing that and uh, and that's happened and God's put that in my way before but this week was a very different way I was going to meet a friend at, at a Whataburger and uh, there you go <laughs> all you Texans here we go all right and uh, it's, this is before coffee before breakfast not a spiritual mood and so I'm <laughs> I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm walking in, and uh, I, I just feel a change in my sensitivity, and uh, I can tell that the girl that's going to take my order is having a hard day, <laughs> so I just quickly tell her, I said, you know, with your name and your beautiful smile, you, we can't have you like this, and I said, it's just got to be about Jesus, just remember it's all about Jesus. She took my order, and I went and sat down, and she came back by later to my table. And we had about a 20-minute conversation where I was able to encourage her from Genesis, from some scripture that God had given me there. And uh, she said, do you have a card or anything? I said, no. Uh, and uh, I guess I have to confess, I have a tendency to walk away with the pins in the back of these chairs. <laughs> so so uh, I'll have to... <laughs> so I'll have to... Uh, give to that fund, however, but uh, anyway, uh, I said, no, I don't, but I have this, and I gave her the pen at Antioch Church and uh, told her about my church, I said, there's a lot of people just like you there that would love to get to know you and for you to, to share, and said, and so uh, as I left, she said, well, come back and see me, I, I need you here, <laughs> and so anyway, uh, to God be the glory.
Man, isn't it exciting? Just simple steps. You know, the Lord was leading me here. God awakened my senses here. Whatever, you know, just like the smallest little step of looking outside of yourself can really bring this hope and love of God that we like sing about. You know, it's not, it's not just for us. And it's really amazing that we get to carry it with us. Amen? All right, guys, we all ready to keep getting encouraged today? All right, we're going to get the Word of God in us, so y'all pray with me, and uh, we'll, we'll keep growing. Jesus, come and open our eyes to more of you today. Would you instruct our hearts in your Word? Would you, literally, Father, open the eyes of our hearts? Would you open them further to see more of your goodness, more of your plan, more of your purposes, your promises, Lord? Would you get them deep down in our hearts, even deeper today than ever before? Lord, would you equip, equip us? Would you uh, empower us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How you guys doing? You encouraged or what? This is awesome church, man. Thanks for letting me come to your church. This is so fun. What's up, Cody? Sorry, he's from out of town. Man, sorry. All right. Uh, my name is Mitchell. If you're new here, I would love to meet you before you leave, but I'm uh, one of the pastors here. I lead the college ministry. Love our college students so much. In just one week, we're about to get on some buses and go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for our Revive Spring Break mission trip. So pumped about that. We had a train this weekend, and we are ready to go. So everybody else, everybody else at this church not going on that trip, I want to invite you guys in to pray for us next week. Will you do that? Okay. Lord, hold them accountable in Jesus' name. All right, y'all. We're going to wrap up our... Four-week series we've been doing called Equip the Saints. Everybody say, Equip the Saints. We uh, took it from a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to show you what that passage is right here, this whole title of the message. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, He, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, our whole hope throughout this message is that you guys walk out of here every Sunday morning knowing that it's you are equipped for the work of ministry. It's not just for a few pastors on a staff or for amazing, incredible people that take these messages seriously. It's for anybody that puts their faith and trust in Jesus. You are equipped to go and do the stuff, the work of the kingdom, these testimonies. Like, guys, next week, we can have 600 testimonies of things like this if we know that God is equipping us and calling us to go do the work of the kingdom. That'd be so encouraging. If you keep reading in Ephesians 4, it lists out what happens when we know we're equipped and we go out and do the work of the ministry. It says that the church is built up and strengthened. How many of you guys want the church to be strong and strengthened? Amen. Uh, you keep going in verse 13, 14, 15. It says that unity happens we grow in our knowledge of God, we become mature, and we walk in the fullness of Christ. When we know that we are saints, just those, saints is, you know, it's a football team, but also it's in the Bible. Uh, it's, it's just the people of God. It's those that have been called out of darkness, that God has made righteous by the blood of Jesus. If you are, have put your faith in Jesus, you are a saint, and God's equipping you to do the work in ministry. Now, when I read a verse like this, and I hear a topic like, okay, I'm equipped to go do the work, some scriptures are like easy to believe, but sometimes I, uh, I need help believing it. And one of the things that I do to help me believe scripture is I do this thing called declarations. Okay, declarations means you just take some truths from scripture and then 
you begin to declare them, <laughs> okay? Which declaring means you say them out loud, but you say it like you mean it, okay? So with a little bit of passion, all right? So I'm going to lead you guys in some declarations, okay? So this is church's participatory. You know what I'm trying to say. You got it. You guys ready? So repeat after me. I am a child of God. Which makes me a saint. Which makes me a saint. Therefore, Therefore I, am I am equipped to do the work of the ministry. The of the ministry. Because, because the Spirit of God, Spirit of God lives, in me. lives in me. Woo! Yeah. Does that feel good? Man, all these out of towners. I'm so encouraged already. All right, guys, so this is truth, and if you need to say that over yourself many times, you are more than welcome to do that. Practice that. I encourage you, wake up in the morning when you're getting time with God and um, declare this truth because it is true over you. Now, uh, before I let you know specifically this last message of Equip the Saints, where we're going uh, specifically this morning, I'm going to bring you guys in a little bit of my journey with God here. I'm going to tell you about two experiences I have with God. One was in seventh grade. Does anybody remember seventh grade? I tried to forget it too. We got another experience in 11th grade, okay? Um, both were experiences with God. In 7th grade, uh, I was on a mission trip, and we built houses during the day or fixed up houses, and then at night we had some worship times and teaching times. And I remember in one of these worship teaching times, I was just feeling in my heart this tug, just, I, I need God. I need to take this Jesus thing seriously. I just felt that so much in my heart. Then in 11th grade, a very similar thing happened. Um, I was dating a girl at the time that invited me to church. And um, at the very end, the pastor was talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel. And there was something inside of me that just said, I need this. I need this Jesus thing. But these two experiences had completely different long-term effects on my life. The 7th grade one, just a few months after that experience, I was diving headfirst into a life of sin and brokenness and bondage and darkness. The second experience with God. After 11th grade, I was diving headfirst into the goodness of God, into the transforming power of the gospel. I was being set free from bondage and sin, and I was alive more than I ever had in my, been in my life. But what was the difference? Both of them, true, I believe, moments with God. The diff there's lots of factors, but I think to summarize the difference between these two situations is a little word that we're talking about this morning called discipleship. Everybody say the word discipleship. 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 We're going to dive a little bit deeper in what discipleship is. The difference maker was after the 11th grade, I had people surrounding me, helping me learn how to follow Jesus. After 7th grade, I didn't have that, and I was just spiraling in sin. So we're going to go and talk about discipleship this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you, pull it out real quick. If not, you can pull out your phone. If not, you can just look at the screen. Uh, so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28. So go ahead and start turning there right now, Matthew chapter 28. And as you're turning there, I want to turn y'all's attention to a uh, resource that we are making available to you guys. I don't know if we have any left, but we out in the foyer are selling a book called Go Make Disciples. Incredible resource. It's an easy and quick read, but it's so helpful in understanding what discipleship is, how to do it. It's filled with really encouraging testimonies of uh, people whose lives have been transformed through this thing called discipleship. And so we're selling them out in the foyer for only $6. Everybody say $6. That is cheaper than some Starbucks drinks, y'all. So 
You're definitely going to want to get this. My, I was hoping that we sold out after the first service. I'm not sure if we did. We might have a few more. So go out there after the service. Um, but I want to give it to somebody for free this morning. Um, is it anybody's birthday today? Do you have this already, Rachel? Come on, Rachel. You get a, a book. Happy birthday. God loves you so much. Man, that's awesome. I'll ask you why you don't already have that book later. That's all right. All right, guys. We're going to look at this passage in Matthew 28. And my hope is that and through this passage, we really get a, uh, an understanding, biblical understanding of what is discipleship and how do we do this. Okay, you guys with me? If you're at Matthew 28, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold on, man. Oh, man, you guys are good. Here we go. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, says, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey all things that I have commanded you. And lo, everybody say lo. Lo. (laughs) Just, that's funny. (laughs) Lo, or behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. It's one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to the Father. He had already died on the cross, already rose from the grave, and he was about to ascend before the Father. And this is the last, one of the last things that he said to his disciples. And it is the commission, the mandate that he has given his church to go out and to fulfill. So we're going to dive into that. So I'm going to break this down. I'm going to pull out four different details about this command that are pretty clearly in here. First detail I want to pull out is that Jesus says, go and make. Everybody say, go and make. Notice he did not say, sit and take. Whoa, watch out. So go and make requires action. It requires getting up and doing something. Did you guys know that the Christian faith, even though the way that even this church is set up is that you can come here once a week, sit and take even coffee, a message, a book for six bucks, and then leave, but do nothing with it. But I believe that this is a different kind of church. (laughs) You guys want to apply this stuff to your life. Nod your head if that's at least a little bit true. All right, roosters, I see you guys. All right. I, I feel like there's an invitation from the Lord this morning. Some of you maybe feel like you're kind of in that maybe zone of sit and take, and, and you kind of feel like the analogy of, of, you know, sports and stuff, where there's some people that are just sitting on the sidelines watching the game happen instead of, like, being a player in the game. I just feel like the Lord wants you guys to know, if you feel like you're a little bit on the sidelines, that he is inviting you. He's, like, calling your name out from the sidelines into the game. Like that you very just naturally can be up here just sharing what God's doing in your life, what God's doing through your life. So if you want to accept that invitation to come off the sidelines into the game, then I think God wants to do that for you this morning. Second detail I want you guys to see in this passage. He says, of all nations. So go and make disciples of all nations. Say all nations. And doing some intense research here, the Greek word for all, do you know what it means? All. <laughs> It means everybody. It means all nations, all people groups, every background, every color, every uh, demographic, all nations, every single person on the planet, God's desire is that we, the church, would be sent out and believe that they can become disciples of Jesus. Our neighbor next door, our classmate, anybody, everybody is on God's heart because he wants to win them all. Amen. Third detail I want you guys to notice is that 
After he says, go and make people of all nations, he says to baptize them. Say, baptize them. So what does this imply about the people Jesus is talking about? They're not yet baptized. Okay, which what, what does that maybe mean? They were not yet following Jesus. So here's something pretty significant that finally hit home in my heart this past summer as I was diving into um, this passage and also reading that Go Make Disciples book. The intention of this command here in Matthew 28:18 is not for us to only disciple other believers. There is a place for that, to get encouraged, to get stretched, get challenged, go to life group and, and, and sharpen each other and, and be in those types of discipleship meetings. But guys, discipleship is not meant to stop in these walls of this church. Discipleship, or really the original intent of this discipleship that Jesus talked about, is people that aren't yet following him. It's people out there. The power and the effect of discipleship doesn't stop within church walls, but it keeps going. Really, its effect is limitless all over our city. So Jesus was not saying, hey, Peter, you know, one of my 11 guys I got left, why don't you just spend all of your time hanging out with James and John, just talk about all your problems, and just make sure they still love me, you know, a couple years from now. As you look throughout the rest of the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, you see that's not how they took this command. They went, they hit the streets, they met people that didn't know Jesus, preached the gospel, and started discipling them. You guys see this with me? So we want to be a people that, okay, it's going to make you a little nervous sometimes, but you are equipped to go and make disciples of people outside of these walls. Amen? And I think there's a couple of you in here that actually want to do this. Cool. If not, that's all right, but please. I mean, why not? This is awesome. Here we go. Fourth detail I want you guys to see. Verse 20, he says, teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So I want you all to notice he doesn't say teach them all I commanded you. He says, teach them to observe or teach them to obey. What's the difference? One is all about information. Here's just the commands. Here you go. Here's a list of them. I want you to know them. The other one, teach to obey, requires action, requires a little bit of accountability, and it requires us walking with people, helping people know how to obey the commands of Scripture to our life. Do you guys see the difference here? So what I'm doing right now, I'm teaching you, but I'm not... this is not the full picture of what discipleship looks like because there's limits to what I can do. I can't, um, you know, pull a a topic from Scripture, talk about it, and then practice it with you, and then go model it with you, and then challenge you to do it and follow up with you. Do you see the difference there? Teaching, there's a place for it, but discipleship is teaching to obey. I think you guys are getting this. Now, this is actually where true growth happens when we teach to obey. It's when things really settle in. Here's a little uh, quote from a professor from the mid-1900s named Edgar Dale. I know all of you have you know, his picture on your fridge. But anyways, here's what he said about remembering things, okay? He says, we remember 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see in here. We remember 70% of what we discuss with others, 80% of what we personally experience, and 95% of what we teach others. Isn't that crazy how God has designed our minds and our memory to work is that we actually get stuff in us deeper when we don't just listen to information, but then we have experiences. We're coaching others to do the same thing. It gets in us. There's power in Jesus' way of discipling folks. So here we go. We break down Matthew 28, but 
I want to try to summarize this for you guys to make it clear. As a, as a church, we've developed like a crafted sentence to kind of define what discipleship really is. It'll be up here on the screen behind me, but let me read this to you. Feel free to write it down. But here's how we define discipleship. It's one person helping others become lifelong, obedient followers of Jesus who then do the same. Pretty simple, huh? You guys understand it? Thumbs up if you do. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm helping others learn what it means to follow Jesus. But don't forget that last phrase, who then help others do the same. Do you guys know discipleship is never meant to stop with you? And discipleship is never meant to stop with the people you disciple. It's this powerful movement that spreads all over and is not able to be contained. And in fact, this discipleship movement that Jesus started 2,000 years ago has been going and going and going, and it's actually part of the reason why you are here. It's because people took this seriously and they helped others. This point is emphasized in something Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. It's It's a passage about discipleship. Paul says, you therefore, my son Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's this amazing discipleship effect. Hey, Timothy, you've heard things from me. Go pass it off to others who will pass it off to others who will pass it off to others. It's this powerful movement that's never meant to stop. Amen? Say, discipleship is never meant to stop. And I will not let it stop with me. Oh, that's a good declaration. A little convicting. Okay, before I move on from Matthew 28, you've got to see what this whole command called the Great Commission is surrounded by. It's surrounded by two powerful truths. They're powerful if you, if you, they're true whether or not you believe it, but they're even more powerful for your life if you believe it, okay? It's bookended by two powerful truths. Verse 18, Jesus says, all authority, everybody say all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So one, truth, Jesus has all authority. Look at the end, verse 20, this other truth. I am always with you. You know why I have confidence? Even though I don't know all the answers and, I, and I'm not a perfect discipler, you know why I have confidence that I can go and do this command? It's because I'm not going in my own power and authority, and I'm not alone. I have God's power and authority in me all around me if I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus. We're not alone. Amen? So you can do it. Look at a neighbor and say, you can make disciples. Now tell yourself, I can make disciples. Awesome. Our hope as a church is every single one of you are discipled, but then every single one of you go and make disciples. And we're here with you to walk through the journey. If this is all intimidating to you, I see a few of your faces. You're like, oh, you actually believe that I'm supposed to do something with this message here, sir. (laughs) And yes, I do, unapologetically, (laughs) because we're at church trying to equip the saints, all right? Uh, But we're here to to walk with you and help you out, okay? So many of you guys are inspired. You feel called to do this. You want to obey Scripture, but a lot of us um, don't take those steps of obedience because simply we just don't know how to make disciples. So I'm going to help you out. I'm going to tell you how to do it. You ready? Five things. (laughs) Number one. After this service, go buy a book called Go Make Disciples. <laughs> Six bucks. Also, pull out your phone real quick. If you have a smartphone, go ahead, pull it out. Pull it out, pull it out. If you got a smartphone, pull out your phone and go to the App Store. Go ahead, just click it. And 
once you begin to type in the name of this app, it's called The Discipleship App. Very complicated title, you know, but there's an app called The Discipleship App. Uh, some folks in the Antioch movement created it because they wanted to be helpful in how do you actually go and make disciples. And so it's filled with discipleship lessons. It's filled with even some links to videos on how do you start discipleship. This is an incredible resource. Again, it's an app called The Discipleship App. So step one in how to make disciples is get some resources to help you guys out, all right? After you push download, then you can put your phone to the side. Step number two in how to make disciples. Are you ready for number two? Yep. Here we go. Someone's ready. Number two is you pray. Everybody say pray. pray. There's two things you're praying for. One, you're praying for yourself, saying, Lord, would you help me be a part of the Great Commission? I want to be a part of your story, Lord. I want to be a part of the gospel spreading. But Lord, I need help. Lord, would you give me grace to obey? Pray for yourself. Second, you're going to pray for those that God wants to put on your heart to become disciples. You're going to say, Lord, show me. Who can I disciple? A couple of examples of categories could be some coworkers. It could be um, a random person that five years ago you're in prison with. I mean, if that's your story, then that's, that's great. It could be um, a neighbor, could be classmates. There's so many categories, but you just say, Lord, is there anybody you want to put on my heart to, to disciple? And whatever name comes to your mind, or whatever name is already on your heart that God's highlighting right now, write those people's names down and begin to pray, God, would you open up their hearts to you? Third step, after you begin to pray, is you initiate with those people. Now, here's what you don't do. You don't call your neighbor that you've only seen the driveway like twice in five years and say, hey, man, um, uh, yeah, what's up? But I'm calling you because I, I want you to be my disciple. <laughs> He's going to hang up the phone. He's like, what are you talking about? Are you like a sensei or something? What are you doing? Uh, you don't do that by initiating. It's just, you're just trying to build relationship. Just, just try to get a little bit closer to this person. So if they're a classmate, after class is over, it's like, hey, you getting lunch today? Do you eat food too? Because I eat food. Uh, and then if they say, yes, they eat food, then say, hey, you want to come have lunch with me at the MSC? Let's just get to know each other. Or, hey, let's study together after we eat. Um, it could be, again, a, a, a neighbor down the street that you've interacted with a few times. You can say, hey, I know we uh, haven't really got to know each other super well, but I would love to have you and your family over for dinner sometime just to get to know you guys a little bit more. That's how you initiate. Okay, quick testimony on this is uh, over the summer, as God was working on my heart with this topic, the Lord, I was praying for myself to obey and praying for God to highlight some people and felt like he highlighted some neighbors down the street. We've lived in our house for three and a half years, and unfortunately, we had not been very intentional with our neighbors, and so the Lord highlighted these neighbors. So I began to pray for them pretty consistently. Lord, did you open up their hearts? Would you give me the opportunity to talk to them? It just so happens that about a, a couple weeks after I started praying, we see them at the park, and we strike up a conversation, and we, like, actually enjoy them. <laughs> that was awesome. And the guy plays basketball, and I really like basketball. And so uh, we, we kept in touch and um, played basketball with the guy one time, and my wife and I invited him and his family over for dinner, and they just got a remodel of their kitchen, so I texted him and said, hey, is your kitchen done? Because we'd love to come over <laughs> to, to your house. And he's like, yeah, come on. He sent me a bunch of pictures. So... We, we haven't gone the next step that I'm about to tell you, but we're building a relationship with them because God put them on my heart, and I pray for them pretty consistently. And so cool that God wants to open those doors for us. Fourth is, as you initiate and build a relationship, you want to invite the people into Jesus. Okay, this maybe requires the most boldness, but you can do it. I'm going to teach you that you can do it. You ready? I want you to look at a neighbor. Just look them in the eyes until it's awkward. 
<laughs> and I want you to say this phrase, one at a time, okay? So you can hear each other. Hey, do you know anything about Jesus? All right, switch. Next person, say the same question. Do you know anything about Jesus? All right, good job, y'all. Told you you could do it. Way to go. Okay, so the only thing that changes is the setting. You might be at a lunch, you might be at a coffee, you might be a family over just hanging out. It's not awkward unless you make it awkward. You can just say, hey, random question, but do you know anything about Jesus? Or have you ever thought much about him? And if they say no, you can say, are you, ever, are you interested in like learning more about Jesus? And if they say no, then you can, you're okay. It's fine. Still be their friends. Still be normal. Don't like say, all right, leave my house. <laughs> that would not be a win. Because <laughs> we're just here to love and serve people. You know what that means? If they say no, it means that maybe their heart's not ready or what I think it really means is that there's somebody else God is preparing for you that is ready. And it's okay if, if it doesn't work the first time. However, if they say yes, then I'm going to give you step number five. If they say yes, I want to know more about Jesus. I want, I, want to, I, I, I want to know about him. Here's step number five is you say, hey, let's meet up sometime and talk about Jesus. Period. <laughs> you schedule a time and you meet up with them. Got it? <laughs> now, some of you are like, okay, I think I'm tracking with you, but then when I show up to this meeting, what do I do? Well, there's an equipping class tonight at 5 p.m. to talk more about what to do in those meetings, but let me give you, so I encourage you to come if you can. We're going to dive deeper into discipleship. I'm going to give you a couple things here. One is you just, again, build a relationship with them, small talk with them, see how you're doing, how's the week, but then just ask them a few questions. Okay, what, what is your understanding about God or about Jesus? Let them share, and then have a Bible with you, and discipleship is all about teaching them the commands of me, the commands of who? Jesus. Jesus. So what do you think would be a good tool to have if you show up to discipleship? The Word of God. Okay, and you say, hey, well, let's look at a passage of Scripture together. We're going to read it together, and you're going to just tell me what you think it means. So that's what you can do in one of your first meetups. That discipleship app that I had you guys download has a bunch of resources and lessons that literally gives you a passage of scripture, gives you questions to ask, and you can totally just walk through that. You can tell them, hey, why don't you download this app, and we'll go through it for a couple weeks. So that is how you can begin the process of discipleship. Now, it's a long journey. You're going to need lots of help along the way. And so being discipled yourself will help you continue to learn how to do this well. Now, if you commit to this, I want to encourage you that you won't regret it. If you commit to this journey of making disciples, I really don't think you will regret it because Discipleship really does transform people's lives. It actually works. Discipleship works because it is the most effective way to reach people, and people's lives really get transformed. I'm going to close out the message here by just reminding us of why we do this in the first place. Of course, Jesus commanded us to do it, and so we want to be an obedient people. Nod your head if you want to be obedient to God in your life. Awesome. Most of us do. That's great. <laughs> Um, but then it actually works. Let me, um, I got a slide I want to show you guys here about the, the power of discipleship when it's done uh, effectively. It's a little chart about the difference between um, trying to evangelize every single person you meet versus investing in a few people at a time and coaching them 
to invest in other people. So check this chart out. Keep looking at it. It took me about 20 minutes to understand it, but it's all right. Y'all are smarter than me. I'm going to read this um, article um, from a guy that created this chart um, about the power of discipleship. It says this, Greg Oden in his book, Discipleship Essentials, expounds this point by graphically illustrating the contrast between someone personally seeing one person come to the Lord every day for a year as compared to investing in the same two people for an entire year. The evangelist hits the streets every day with the goal of sharing the gospel with as many people as needed to see God save one person. In contrast, the disciple maker walks two people through a year of intensive discipleship. The slow-moving discipleship process creeps forward with only four people being impacted in two years compared to 730 converts through the solitary work of the busy evangelist. However, this radically changes with the passing of time. After 16 years of the same activity, the evangelist would have seen almost 6,000 people come to faith in Christ, but the disciple maker would have impacted 65,536 people. Every person on the planet would be reached multiple times over after 30 years. I'm going to say that again. Every person on the planet would be reached multiple times over after 30 years. If we make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, and if discipleship never stops with us and those we lead. It closes up and says, it is a ministry shift from a strategy of addition, where the pastors are the ones that are performing all the ministerial duties, to one of multiplication, where believers are expected and equipped to personally participate in the Great Commission. Multiplication, not addition, is Jesus' plan for reaching the world with the gospel. And multiplication is the purpose of these discipleship groups. If the body of Christ accepts this plan, embraces it, and faithfully obeys it, then the Great Commission would be accomplished. Amazing, y'all. It works because it's the most effective strategy to reach the most amount of people. But I don't want you guys to get lost in these numbers because you know what every one of those numbers represents? A real living person that God loves. And God greatly desires to be a whole and healthy individual that knows that God loves them. So discipleship works because it actually does transform lives. I reached out to a couple guys this week that I started discipling. I think I was one of the first ones that started discipling once they got to college. And um, I text them and say, guys, just share a couple things. What did, how did God use discipleship to transform or impact your life? I'm going to read you some stuff that they said because it's so encouraging, y'all. A guy named Ryan, he said, the, the biggest and most transformational thing was being shown how to build my own personal relationship with Jesus by spending time with him every day and then actually believing that he's alive and in the room when I'm doing it. Other things is that he received healing through being vulnerable and confessing to one another shameful things he did in the past that he never confessed before. He got vision for why he is still on the earth and not in heaven, and that vision is to go and make disciples. And he learned all of God's story, not just that Jesus died on the cross, but that anything from the creation to the return of Jesus. He learned how to understand the word of God. Another guy named Julian, he says this, Discipleship revealed to me that I alone am responsible for walking and growing with God. It is an avenue in which you are shown how to live under the lordship of Jesus, but only you can choose to surrender that. Those discipling you don't choose it for you. Discipleship is an accountability piece that humbles your heart before God to help you understand that there is still work that needs to be done in us. I know this term gets thrown around plenty of times, but believe me when I say it, that God used discipleship to change my life. These guys 
were broken. They got plugged into this whole discipleship thing where we invest in each other, teach each other how to be lifelong, obedient followers of Jesus, get in each other's world, pray for each other, encourage each other. And guys, God used it to transform their lives. Same thing happened to me. I was a broken mess before Jesus. None of you guys know that. Because <laughs> all you see is just this pastor guy up here preaching a message, and sometimes I get on stage to interrupt worship and make you raise your hand for something. <laughs> but I was a mess, y'all. And Jesus saved me and transformed me. He used discipleship to do it. But let me take this point to the next level. Some of you in here, you feel like, oh, well, I want to be a part of this thing, but I feel like I'm a mess. Or maybe I feel like my past is a mess. Listen, God can use you. He used me, a broken mess. He put me back together. He gave me a heart for other people. I said, okay, I'm going to try this discipleship thing, Lord. Ah, here I go. And God just happened to use me to be a part of seeing other people's lives transformed. And it's not just for a few people on stage. It's for you too. God wants to use you. And he wants you to be a player in the game. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to close by worshiping to his song and also praying for one another. We love ending our services like this because we want to respond to what God is doing in our hearts. It's not just a response to the message, but we want to respond to what you guys might feel right now inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a few things I'll ask for you guys to come and receive prayer for, but first, let me start here. You cannot be a part of going and making disciples unless you first are a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. So if there's anyone here that as I'm talking about Jesus, sharing these stories, and you're like, man, I don't even know if I know this guy. I don't even know if I really know Jesus and have my own personal relationship with you. Well, today, Jesus, I believe, is here in this room, and he's extending an invitation to you. He says, if you want me to wash you clean from all of your sin and your brokenness, then I will do that today. If you want to accept me as Lord and give your life to me, I will come in and I will make you new. Let me have everyone close their eyes just for a minute here, and I want you to think... It's about your own life, your own journey. Think about, have I ever like said, yes, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want to follow him. And if you have not ever made that bold step of faith, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If you want to say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus, then I want you just to boldly shoot up your hand. You go ahead and do that right now. God's tugging on your heart. And you're saying, man, I want to draw a line in the sand today. And I want to give my life over to Jesus. Just shoot up your hand real boldly. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's about four or five people that just said, I want to give my life to Jesus. It's awesome, y'all. You guys can open your eyes. <laughs> it's good. It's good. There's a reason why people are clapping. If you're one of those that raised their hand, people are clapping because it says in Luke 15 that all of heaven rejoices when just one person gives their life over to Jesus. And we had about four or five people just said, all right, that's me. I want to give my life over to Jesus. So that's encouraging, guys. So we are here as your church to celebrate with y'all. If you are one of those folks that raised your hand, then in just a minute, I want you to come down, be bold, and receive prayer. Tell somebody up here that, man, I, I want to give my life over to Jesus. Let me have some of our life group leaders and section leaders down here um, to be the ministry team here to pray for folks. And if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus, I think God still wants to minister to you. And uh, there's two categories of people, I think, in the room. You're a follower of Jesus, but you have not started the journey of trying to make disciples. God wants to help you overcome any hurdle that you might feel, whether it's fear, doubt, just even an unwillingness to do something uncomfortable. He wants to help you overcome that to begin the process of starting to make disciples. But if you are in this room and you have started to make disciples, 
Uh, I think there's some of you that just need to be encouraged again. Disciple making is hard, y'all. It's hard sometimes. But God wants to encourage you and say, don't give up. It's worth it, and it is actually impacting people's lives. So I'm going to pray. And as I start praying, uh, if you want prayer for anything that I just said or just anything at all, then come on down. We want to pray with you and partner with you. If you don't want to see prayer, just worship with us. So pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this clear biblical call to go and make disciples. And Lord, we understand this morning we need your grace to go out and do it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fall upon every single one of us in this room by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would know that you are sending us out, not in our own strength, but in yours, Lord. You are with us. You are for us. So come and meet with us and help us be a people that go and make disciples. In Jesus' name.